This is games in schools and libraries. The podcast about board, card and digital games and the ways in which they can find a place in schools or at the local library. Hosting provided by the Games for Educators website www.g4ed.com Hello, my name is Giles Pritchard. I'm a teacher at St George's Road Primary School in Shepparton, Victoria. I teach a a 3-4 class, which means kids around the ages of 8 and 9, and I use games uh, in my school for lots of different purposes, from board game clubs to games days and uh, in the general classroom as well. You can find me around the web uh, on my blog at uh, castlebymoonlight.blogspot.com or on Twitter as P. And I'm Donald Innes. I am the Technology and Games Librarian for the Georgetown County Library System in Georgetown County, South Carolina. And you can find me all over the internet as Walsfio or on Twitter as On Board Games, because I also have a podcast all about only board games called On Board Games. And a mighty fine podcast that is too, Don. And, uh, yep, uh, we're looking to get you back on the show soon, Eric. Um, Eric has been uh, missing our Australian <laughs> He's too kind. You're either lying or Eric's uh, got something wrong with him. No, I think that we've had a couple of people who've been really difficult to edit, and uh, he's really looking forward to having somebody who knows their way around behind a mic. <laughs> hey, now I know. Now I know you're not telling the truth. So we can't say what date we recorded this on because you know somebody may listen to both shows. <laughs> uh, that's okay. <laughs> Um, all right, well, last episode we talked about, uh, well, last two episodes we talked about dexterity games. Uh, last episode we talked about flicking games and pitching games. Um, this episode we wanted to have a look at some stranger dexterity games as well as delve into the murky waters of iOS games. Um, is there anything right. that we wanted to discuss prior to, to, to jumping in, Don? Um, you know... I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or not, uh, but before we get into the topic of the day, there's a game out by a company or group of people called Niantic, and it's sort of run by uh, the Google folks or some people who, who were employees at Google, and it's a alternate reality game, or actually, I don't exactly know how they're describing it these days, but... Is this um, Ingress? You have... Ingress, yes. Um, have you played this? No, no. You, you talked about it um, with some vigor a couple of episodes ago. I'm wondering what the update is like. Are you enjoying it still? Um, you know, I'm getting awfully close to the end of it, and I imagine that by the time that this game, or by, by the time that this episode is dropped, that the game will pretty much have worn out its luster, unless they've done a major update. But right now, you're still doing the same thing, where you're going around to the different places gathering resources or trying to uh, do the area control sort of thing where you're capturing portals and connecting them to others to create fields. And other people from other teams are trying to do exactly the opposite or capture them for their team. And so right now it's becoming same old, same old, where there's not a lot of interaction. And since we don't have a lot of competition in our neighborhood, that uh, we've got people who are actually dropping out of the game. So it seems neat. But the pace at which they're developing this game is awfully slow. 
You've got a reasonable amount of play out of it. I mean, it'd be fair to say that, um, you know, well and truly um, has been an enjoyable experience, you know, getting involved with. Right. It's It's been brilliant and it's helped me become a lot more at home and a lot more familiar with the area where I'm living because previously it was, well, I have to meet people here. This is where I'm going or, you know, maybe I'll drive around and look at the neighborhood, but not really know what I'm looking at. And I've got a much greater familiarity with local history and, you know, I've got a reason to sort of examine the environment, which is not something I had before. It was just kind of a casual, oh, well, hey, that's pretty neat. Let's go walk on the beach. Yep. Oh, it sounds no, it sounds like a really interesting game. I'd play it, but I I only have a um, Apple devices. Unfortunately, I don't have any Android devices. So right, right, right. And there are uh, you know other games that that have, you can play only on the uh, iPhone. So it's it's fun to have turnabout be fair play once in a while. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. So that's all I have you know, outside of our primary topic of the day. How about you? Is there anything else exciting or great going on on your end? Um, no, not not especially. Uh, just just uh, muddling along with everything that's been happening here. We've got our Games Day that'll be coming up in probably about three, four weeks as we record this. And um, aside from that, we've been continuing with our um, After School Games Club, which has been fantastic. So, yeah, all together is just uh, rolling along, really. Brilliant, brilliant. Good to hear it. Yeah, we've, we've done the point where we've scheduled our events out and our activities for the year, uh, and now we're just trying to find the money to support those activities and place them appropriately. So we've got the list, our wish list of items, and uh, you know some of them are game-related, some of them are art-related, some of them are technology-related, and we're trying to now you know seed those throughout the calendar year. Magnificent. I'll have to talk about any that are game-related as they um, crop up. Yep. Yep, yep. So, all right. So while we're doing this juggling act, um, let's talk about dexterity games. (laughs) So I said last time we talked about flicking games and we talked about pitching games. Um, The last sort of category that we wanted to cover in board board games before we leapt into the uh, waters of of various devices um, are the sort of stranger games that uh, one might come across as dexterity games. So, Don, did you want to lead us in? Uh, We've got a reaction sort of Twitch game here that um, I I know I enjoy uh, an awful lot, but did you want to introduce it? Oh, right, right. Um, You've got to be talking about uh, Loop and Louie which is, is a, had a resurgence here in the U.S., at least over Christmas, a version of this game, which basically it's a construction game, so you build it and then you can play it. And you have to put uh, put it together, kind of looks like a, an airplane in the center going around and everybody has their own barn with a flipper near it, and you hit the flipper and you're trying to bounce this airplane as it zooms around in a circle to keep it from hitting the chickens that are in your barn. And the last person with chickens left is the winner. So in it's a fantastic game. Each player has got a sort of a paddle um, that they they belt away at as uh, Louie in his aeroplane swoops close. And uh, the idea of it is that, that as, as Louie's aeroplane nears your bat, you, you want to you hit it so that it knocks Louie um, up and away from your chickens. And, and with a little bit of um, care, you can lob it just so, so that it lands right on the player to next door's chickens. Or um, if you're especially clever, uh, you can manage to hit the, the, the player across from you. or the, You can even hit that player 
way that's 270 degrees, um, you know, to your left, uh, which is which requires a sort of extra bit of luck and uh, dexterity. But it's a fantastic game, very very quick to play. Um, there's also a version that was sold for a little while um, that was rethemed. So you might be able to see this one in stores. It is a Toy Story themed version with Buzz Lightyear flying around, knocking little aliens. I believe I'm not sure quite how the theme ties in. Uh, you must be saving them or something along those lines, but that's certainly a, a version of the same game. But, yeah, fantastic game, very very strange, but but an awful lot of fun, and you, all you're trying to do is to, to belt Louie out of the way and be the last person standing so you've still got chickens in your barn at the end of the game. Um, and... One of the one of the things about it that's really neat is that the paddles that you have have two settings. So you can you can click it out, which makes the paddle much broader and easier to use, and you can click it in, so it's in line, and uh, that makes it a little bit more difficult to use. So it's very easy. You know, you just put all the adults on that, or any adults or older kids on that uh, harder setting, and any younger kids on the easier setting, and it is a little bit of an equaliser. So it's uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Very easy easy to play there's not a lot um, really to it um, you're just trying to protect your your chickens great game though right and it's fun for all i was surprised at how many adults we had it out at one of our local game nights where some some of the younger kids had shown up to play and they were playing it and they enjoyed it but somebody else had brought another copy and we'd set it up and it was the parents who'd sort of navigated over to that one and were playing it and you know it plays <laughs> at conventions and pretty much because it's you know, moving parts, it attracts everyone's attention and, you know, everyone can get along and have, have fun playing this game. Now, it's not always the quietest game, but uh, it's not as loud as, say, something like Pit. No, that's right. No, and it is a lot of fun. So what about some of the other games that we've got um, stacked under the weird category? Well, I think uh, in our weird category, let's jump to one specifically that has... Uh, a great deal of attraction to me and something that I like, and it's games with magnets in them. Yep. Get it? Attraction? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so there's a whole category of games that use uh, magnets and the whole positive and negative polarity issue where you're trying to place pieces on the board and that, you know, you want to not move or cause the other pieces to upset because of the magnets. Now, there are building blocks kind of games where you're just using magnets to attach sticks. But in this case, we're talking about you're placing pieces on the board. And uh, one of the most recent versions of this is called Rattlesnake from Fantasy Flight Game. And they have little kind of the little egg-shaped magnets that are longer and, and thinner. And you're placing them on the board based on a die roll that tells you where you need to place it or what kind of place you need to put it. And then you get to decide where along these pictures of the snakes you get to place these rattlesnake eggs. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? The magnets are actually quite strong, um, and you place them down on the board and watch, you know, you place your one down on the board and watch all of the other magnets sort of nearby start to sort of swing around and roll a little bit, and, you know, you're just really hoping <laughs> that that the um, the laws of attraction aren't strong enough to uh, pull the ones nearby and, uh, into contact, because if that happens, you, you have to take all of the magnets that connect back into your collection. So the idea is that you want to you want to be able to place all of the magnets you've got down on the board. Right. And so this is a great place if you're teaching a science class and you've got the magnets, this is a great game that you can pull out just to show how these fields can interact. And you can also, you know, 
the children can accidentally cause effect because if you've got all the magnets that you've still got left to put on the board in one hand and you're reaching over with the other one, you don't want to get it too close to the other magnets, either one of your hands, uh, you know, before you, you know, get it placed. Because if you make any of the magnets move either on the board or touching another magnet, then you're going to pick those up. Um, and whoever <laughs> runs out of magnets first wins. Now, this is also where you can figure out who really understands the game because you'll find one kid almost after the second or third game that they play it who's reaching up under the table with a magnet and trying to move the pieces from the other side of the table, which, you know, you figure, okay, this, this kid understands the theory. Oh, I haven't encountered that one. Oh, really? Okay. It's, no, it happens no. almost every time now when we play it. We have to say, all right, keep your hands above the table. <laughs> and there's another game. If you can't find Rattlesnake, it's called Polarity. It's essentially the same kind of game. And there's yeah. another one called Silverstone Castle or Shiverstone Castle by ha- Haba. And I don't think I've ever played that one. Are you familiar with it? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I think it's worth just pausing for a second to talk a little bit about polarity because that is one that I do use in science classes when we're talking about magnets um, more so than than rattlesnake, and I think is is really um, you know good to, to pause for that. Um, the pieces in polarity look like pieces from the game Othello, so they're they're discs, and one side is white and one side is black. Um, white and black, um, obviously, you've got the positive and the negative there, the, the, the two different sides or the two different poles of the magnet. And um, the, the key to the game is that you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to balance um, a magnet so that it is leaning in mid-air. It looks sort of like uh, it's, it's, it's floating almost off the side of another magnet of your colour. So if I'm white, I'm trying to balance um, a magnet so that it's sort of 45 degrees to the tabletop balanced uh, at that angle in midair and the way I do that of course is is by using that that um the the repellent force in in magnets to um you know positive to positive or negative to negative to cause that magnet to sit in that location so it's a little bit difficult to um to manage um from time to time the kids certainly have difficulty initially but after they get the hang of it they they find it absolutely fascinating because obviously these things look like they're just uh, sort of hanging in midair but the reason that I really like this game as a vehicle to talk about polarity and to talk about uh, magnets is because it's very obvious that what you've got is an invisible force that is um, you know causing what they're seeing to take place and it's a very good way to talk about that that the force of uh, you know repelling the force of attracting um, as a way of explaining what they see happening on the boards you know the magnets um, click up together the magnets you know float off one another it's just got everything in there that you could possibly want when you when you do a class on on magnets Magnets and, and how they behave. So a really good one, that one. Um, and, and Shiverstone Castle is a game for younger kids. And this is, again, one of those sort of, you know, everybody sort of played those games when they were younger of making a, you know, a, a car or a boat or something like that with a paper clip on, on it and then using a strong magnet beneath the table to move the car around. Um, Shiverstone Castle is the same sort of thing. You've got a, you've got a ghost with a, with a metal base and then you've got a wooden stick that you poke beneath the game box and the game box is propped up on these little legs and you use the stick to manoeuvre the ghost 
ghost around the castle and then inside the castle you set up walls with doorways and you're trying to get the ghost around in different different locations um and again you know it's it's a really nice game there's there's a lot of different things you can do with it but the 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 thing that i find really handy with it is that it's great for that discussion about you know magnetism being an invisible force we can't see it and it still works through that cardboard base of uh, of the box it's a it's also some being by habit it's got some really in um yeah, durable pieces some really you know nice bits so great great little game that one. Oh, there's another magnet game that i meant to mention earlier it was dart wars uh, where you're basically playing darts and there's a picture of the map and you're trying to, you know, it's sort of an area control game, but you're flinging your darts at this map. But instead of having uh, points on the darts, they have magnets to make it stick to the map. Yeah. So, you know, magnets, magnets everywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, jumping onto a, a, a different sort of um, weirdness, um, there's a, a game that I wouldn't mind talk, talking a little bit about called Micro Mutants. Uh, also was released as X-Bugs and uh, has recently been re-released by Ares Games and I, Little Monsters or something like that. I'm, I can't quite um, put my, my finger on, on what the name is exactly, but all of those games work in the same way. Basically, it is Tiddlywinks. You have a, um, a, a a hard piece of plastic, and you are depressing a little disc um, on, on its very edge, so that it then pops out and jumps a certain distance. the The thing about Micro Mutants and its various iterations is that it's also a war game. So you've got all of your tiddlywink pieces out on the board, and they are all, you know, um, they all have special powers. They all uh, attack in different ways. And the idea is that you're wanting to defeat your opponent by um, eliminating their home bases, and you do that by by tiddly winking your your pieces across the board, you know, flipping them across the board with this little um, thing that you're you know pressing on on your pieces. It's a really zany sort of game, and it really mixes up two different genres that um, you know nobody would have ever thought would be um, would be bedfellows. But it works quite well, and is a really easy game for kids to get into. It's a it's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, a very different sort of dexterity game. Right. Micromutants is a great game if you uh, have two, three, or four players because each person can play a different faction. Uh, the big problem with this is that, well, there are lots of little pieces that intentionally go shooting across the room. And so yeah. if they put a little too much you know, click on it or if... You know, they, they hit it just wrong. It can shoot off and under a bookshelf <laughs> um, <laughs> or something like that. And it is very dependent on the pieces. And a lot of these dexterity games are where you've got some kind of reaction if you're trying to make the pieces move or maneuver that uh, that you sort of are dependent on on the pieces to make sure that they go. It's not like, oh, we've lost a pawn for Monopoly. We can replace it with anything else. Um but it's a lot of fun, and the guys really seem to like this one, and there are different levels of play, so you can play a basic game, or you can give some more advanced powers and special powers that uh, that are pretty interesting. Yeah, it works, works really well. Any others, Don, that you want to do? Well, I don't think that we can... Uh, this is something that we should have talked about earlier with stacking games, and it's one of my favorites, but it's very difficult to get your hands on. It's called Hamster Roll, 
and it's H-A-M-S-T-E-R-R-O-L-L-E. And basically, you've got this big wooden hoop, like a loom, or not like a loom, but you've got a big wooden wooden hoop, uh, a little over a foot or so across, and there are little shelves that are on this. And you are trying to stack little pieces onto this onto the shelves on this hoop and keep your pieces from, you know, keep it from spinning in such a way that your pieces will get knocked off causing trouble. And so it's, it's just weird. And, but it's one of these things that if you're trying to find games that will bring people over to see what's going on, um, it is a brilliant example of that kind of uh, dexterity game, which I think is one of the big things about dexterity games that, that we may already have gone into is just, they attract attention like no other kind of games. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of um, gaining attention and also um, not to be sort of um, gender stereotyping, but this this next game really is sort of the ultimate boys' toy. Um, and again, you know, not not to be gender stereotyping because certainly um, when I brought it out in the class, it's been equally loved by boys and girls. But it's called Battleground Crossbows and Catapults. And um, (laughs) it's probably uh, lacking on the educational front, but it certainly makes up for it in fun. Um, The idea of this game is that you've got two opposing sides and that each side builds up a castle out of of, uh, sort of large-ish blocks that are easily stackable. Uh, plastic blocks and then you've also got you know your castle gates and things like that you've then also got uh, each team has also got a bunch of little figures that they set up as well as catapults cannons big crossbow sort of things all sorts of um, rubber band powered machinery weaponry and um, you load these up with little plastic uh, sort of bullets or little plastic discs they are and lob them towards the opponent with the intention of knocking down their little people and knocking over the walls that they've constructed and and so on. And it is just an absolute huge amount of fun. Um, I have brought this into the classroom. It's more of a fun activity. I've used it, you know, toward the end of a term or a year as a fun activity. Um, we also have done a little thing. Um, we do, do we do something every year called the mini fight where every classroom puts on, um, you know, a different activity that people can come around and enjoy. And uh, my class for a couple of years put on games of crossbows and catapults where people could come over and try their luck with the crossbows and catapults and try and knock down this complex sort of castle that we had built on the other side of the table so that is an awful lot of fun that game um again like micro mutants though you are bound to end up with pieces all over the floor right and people are going to uh, there, there are a couple of problems with this game now we love it my son loves it we got everything that came out for it when it was on sale after christmas one year but uh <laughs> the the thing is that there you're dependent on these rubber bands so the longer you've had the game the weaker the the uh different catapults and stuff are going to shoot and fire and also when your back is turned if you have a supply of extra rubber bands you'll find kids who get into their little machine and and kind of wire it up with a second or third rubber band to give it that extra power guilty Um, you know and you know it's people also there's a tendency to not even worry about the game so much as, hey, we're going to set up our guys, and instead of trying to knock down your castle, 
or your guys, we're just going to wail away at each other because the fun is in the interaction. The fun is not so much in the the scoring or the winning or losing. It's, oh, look at that good hit, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's got everything. It's got building and it's got destruction. Right. So um, <laughs> gotta love it, though. Battleground, crossbows, and catapults is a big win if you've got the space for it and sort of the, uh, the ability to maintain it. Because for year after year, you're going to want to find you know, new rubber bands because just buying extra ones isn't going to do you any good because they're still going to decay. Yeah. Um, and, and it should be noted too, it is a noisy game, not just the, the raucous squeals and laughter of the people playing it, but also the sound of, um, plastic crashing to the tabletop. Oh, and, and it does really sort of work better on a, uh, non-covered table, which is means you yeah. can't just throw down a, a, a tablecloth to keep it quiet. Uh, because you don't want the blocks to sort of catch and get the extra stability of sitting on fabric compared to on a, you know, a smooth, clean table. But once again, your mileage may vary. You can play with it however you want. Speaking of another game that sort of operates on the same principles um, and also one that we will talk about in its iOS version, uh, Angry Birds. They've, they've released various editions of this, Angry, Angry Birds, Angry Birds Star Wars and, and others that are physical board game versions of the well-loved uh, iOS classic, I suppose you could describe it as. And it's very, very similar. You, you load the crossbow or the catapult rather up with your birds and lob it towards uh, some construction you've made um, with the intention, of course, of knocking out the pigs. So similar to game to similar game to battleground crossbows and catapults, um, a more modern version perhaps. And the catapult isn't uh, in the ones I've got anyway. Isn't anywhere near as strong, sadly. Right. Oh, there's there's a game. Um that sort of plays a little bit off of this, but it's also a stacking game where you uh, are trying to figure out, you, you roll a bunch of, di- of cubes and they've got sort of triangles on this, on the side four triangles and they're in different colors. They might be like white and, or whatever your color is blue or purple or whatever. And you're trying to build a wall to make a pattern based on how these dice landed. And then this is from Game Right. It's called Knock Your Blocks. It's it's a Knock Your Blocks Off by Game Right Games. And usually I really love Game Right Games. However, this one's kind of fiddly and trying to figure out the points and the scoring. Uh, once you've got your bricks built up or your little blocks built up into a wall, then whoever sort of figured it out first or whatever is going to get the chance to roll a die and figure out how they get to try and make somebody else's wall fall down and make all of their pieces fall over. And so it's an interesting game, but it really gets kind of fiddly and into the scoring area that uh, people really just want to build and blow up. They don't want to have to try and figure out, well, you did this, <laughs> and yes, it works, and it goes on. I think with your dexterity games, what you're really looking for something is you know, immediate action and then immediate results, not having to jump through a bunch of hoops and having to interpret a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, another game that I think is a lot of fun, we've probably talked about it before, in fact, is a game by Haber and is called Dancing Eggs. Uh, yes, this game basically <laughs> A lot of fun. This game basically comes in an egg carton and um, 
includes uh, two dice and includes nine rubber eggs and one wooden egg. And um, the idea of the game is that you roll one of those dice and that dice will then tell you to do something. Uh, and this is a, a speed reaction aspect of the game. So whoever is first to do that thing usually will will win an egg. So it'd be things like um, crow like a, a rooster or run around the table and come back to the same spot you're in or uh, bounce an egg off the table and whoever's first to catch it or something along those lines. So that dice has got different faces that give you an indication of what, what it is you need to do to win an egg. Once you've won an egg, you roll the other dice and that tells you where you've got to keep that egg. And it might be in the crook of your arm or under your arm or between your chest and your chin or between your cheek and your shoulder or between your knees. And it's got to stay there for the rest of the game. You're not allowed to go and then then um, to adjust it so that it's more stable or anything like that. You literally have to play the rest of the game out with that egg in place. And you can imagine after a couple of turns, you know, when someone's got um, eggs in the crooks of both of their elbows and their arms are sort of caught up like claw, crab claws and another person's got an egg between their knees, when you've got to run around the table or grab the dice off the table, it, it does become a really sort of hilarious mess so it's a lot of fun um, once somebody drops an egg the game's over and then whoever's still got them you know, score points like that and obviously the wooden egg is first of all isn't bounced on the tabletop <laughs> you need you need to expressly say that um, and is also much more difficult to hang on to once you once you've got it so really really fun game right that's brilliant they love it the kids have enjoyed it quite a bit in the library but this is not one that you can play out in the general area. In fact, a lot of these dexterity games are ones that if you've got an auditorium or something in your library um, or a separate room, they're better for that because they are so engaging. But this one in particular, you don't want kids sort of running around tables and screaming and hollering because this one gets louder than, than most of the other games. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot during the uh, dexterity game segment. And you know, it can be uh, disruptive, though it is just hilarious to watch the kids, you know, bouncing around the table and getting all frantic about what's going on. And they seem to get very engaged. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, it's also, you know, you, you're spot on, Don. You need to be very thoughtful about where it is you set this game up to play. And it's one of those games, we've probably talked about them in the last couple of episodes, where you take the chairs away because this game does not involve chairs at all. You don't want chairs around the table. Right. Okay, well, um, looking forward, uh, there's a game that was very popular. Uh, gosh, I think I was in college and my nephew was you know, still getting into school and it's called, um, pogs. And I don't even know if you can still find these. Um, uh, you know, I've seen, seen it available online, but I don't know if they sell in stores. Uh, but it was sort of like collecting, you know, like collectible cards for kids that you could also do stuff with little discs of art. And it's, sort of a variant on marbles where you've got a slammer and in marbles, I guess it would be your shooter uh, marble. And in this case, you're trying to, everybody stacks up their own set of pogs and you're trying to slam their po your pog down so hard that it flips them over and how many you can knock off the pile or flip over, you get credit for and, and all that. Um, so once again, this is one that if you've got uh, nice wooden tables, 
Um, I don't recommend you bring out pogs and play it <laughs> on those. Uh, you know, a, a tablecloth in this one is sort of recommended. Um, and if you get somebody who has gotten one of them, like the metal um, slammer pogs that you're going to use to throw down, then yeah, maybe play it on the ground instead of on a table at all. Um, <laughs> so have you, did you have ever played pogs or have you seen these? Yeah, I have. Um, I've never really played it by the rules, but I, I do know that, that there have been a couple of schools where kids have played these. Um, and it does, uh, I've seen, I've also seen it um, be a little bit of a concern with the collectible sort of nature of the way in which sometimes this game, I've seen it released um, by different companies and that, you know, kids when they when they defeat their opponents have occasionally been trading or taking, you know, the pieces that they defeat. So, um, but yeah, no, really fun, silly little game. And, and, it, and it falls in, like I said, into the same sort of category as, as marbles, even though in marbles you're flicking them across the board, or uh, crazy bones where you've got a bunch of weird shape things. And I think they're called go-go's now. Um, and th- those have multiple different games that you can play with these little pieces. And they're just a way to get kids to spend money on collectibles. So yeah. that that might be a reason not to invest in them for your library or for your school because the really popular ones are going to disappear. But uh, you know they're neat little things that you know kids can sort of get a sense of ownership or a sense of knowledge on that uh, that they can play with and figure out some of the different games to play. When we were living in Maryland uh, on the Crazy Bones, we we went to tournaments at our Five Below store, which was sort of like a dollar store, and uh, my son was you know just really happy that he could compete at a level with kids who are four or five years older than him. And you're going to get a lot more of that in these dexterity games than you will in some of the deep thought games that the younger kids can compete on a, on a much closer to an even level than, uh, you know, the age difference doesn't seem to matter quite so much once they get above age six than that as it does in some other more thoughtful board games. And in fact, in some games, you know, we've discussed some of these uh, in previous couple of episodes, these kids will be at an advantage. Right. Absolutely. Um, So I think that uh, I don't think there's any other dexterity games or agility games that we really need to talk about uh, in the meat space. I mean, in in real, you know, tabletop version. Are you ready to move on to iOS or are there any others that you wanted to hit before we did so? Just one very quickly, and that's the Black Pirate or Das Schwarz Pirates or whatever it is. Oh, I'm not familiar um, with this it, one. This, is, uh, this one's published by Haber, and um, it's a, a nice, thick sort of puzzle board. There, there's four pieces to this board, big, big, thick board, and it's actually a two-layer board. So some of the islands actually on the board are raised from the surface of the board, um, and you each have a pirate ship, a nice little wooden hull with a cloth little sail, and you use a set of sort of hand bellows to puff air at your ship and to try and move it around. And um, as you puff air on your ship, you, you're trying to move it to the different islands to claim treasure and then eventually sail back to your islands where you can bank that treasure. So it's a, a really a, a interesting game. It can be very difficult to use because the it, some it, it's a very delicate balance with the bellows. You can be easily knocking your own ship and, and other ships over and all over the place. A really neat idea, though, and one that I haven't seen utilised a lot in board games but uh yeah really neat little idea the game i I think is just a little bit lacking but uh beautiful beautiful pieces and as i said a really innovative sort of idea i haven't seen that but it seems like 
when I was in grade school, we would make, um, you know, like fold up pieces of paper and try and blow them, you know, have races where you're just blowing them down the desk. And, you know, then people would try and make ones that, you know, had a little more aerodynamic or were, touch, you know, air resistance or touching the desk a little few, you know, a little bit less that you can do these kinds of games. Some of these games without actually purchasing games. Like uh, we'd fold up a piece of paper into a football and we'd be trying to flick it through the other guy's goal when the teacher's back was turned. Sorry, Giles. <laughs> um, <Nice>. You know, <laughs> or uh, we'd, you know, you can make your own dexterity games out of just about anything. It's like, oh, we don't have pickup sticks. Well, we've got a bunch of pencils and, you know, we're going to try and figure out a way to, you know, make our own game of pickup sticks or, you know, quite literally, like I said, with a piece of folded paper, you can find a way to create your own dexterity style games. And these are ones that kids can then have with them and, and torture their parents with when they go out to eat at restaurants, you know, or, or whatever <laughs> it is that, uh, that they can have and take with them to play. So look into that kind of stuff as a build your own dexterity game if you can. Yeah. And especially, you know, we talked a little bit about magnets earlier and making games with magnets is always a lot of fun. So something that I always try and do when we, when it comes to that type uh, time in our uh, science curriculum when we have to look at magnets, uh, we always start looking at making some different magnet games. So <laughs> right, <laughs> a lot of fun. Right, right. And there's one that the one that I thought was like rattlesnake. I think it's called Jaiku, which ah. uh, is is one that uh, you know it comes with. Or I'm sorry, not Jaiku. I apologize. Is was one that's called uh, Chishaku, which I think it was called something else here in the U.S., but I could be wrong. Um, where you've got sort of a foam thing and you're putting magnets and stuff out in it, and the magnets aren't in a uniform shape, and uh, so check that out. That one's also generally available. It's not one that you'll want to play every time all day, but it is one that that is sort of uh, you know sort of available now. And that's the weird because a lot of these magnet games will come in and out of style or in and out of print pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so on to video games. I think before we get into it, any specific games. Any video game, once you sort of explain to kids, hey, this is a dexterity game or not, if they care, that most video games where time is an issue also tends to be sort of a dexterity game. You know, it can be we're trying to move our pieces, uh, any of the Super Marios, you're trying to push the button at the right time to jump. And so it's a sense of timing that you're building. But those aren't necessarily the kind of games that we're going to be talking about in this game. This is where the actual manipulation of the pieces is the focus as opposed to some sort of panicked um, uh, rea- reaction twitch sort of game. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on, you know. It's all a lot of video. Well, most video games really centre around that hand-eye coordination and coordinating what you're seeing and what you're doing, you know, your thumb and, and hand movements and so forth. But, yeah, certainly we're going to look more at those games that involve, um, you know, that, that manipulation of the actual, um, you know, whether it's... The, the way you're holding something or, or um, you know, moving something. Right. So let's cover a couple of games that had the analog versions of them. And, of course, Angry Birds is the king of all uh, tablet games these days, and I guess mm-hmm. has been since the dawn of the tablet age, where in that case, you know, it's not so much a, uh, you know, having to worry about the speed at which you do things, but you're pulling back on, uh, you're moving a piece in such a way as to catapult it in the opposite direction and do as much damage to the fortifications of the pigs or the space pigs or the whatever they are. And 
this is really neat because it shows physics in action, and that's some of the cooler dexterity games in uh, you know on the iPad and whatnot. That's sort of some of the stuff that it highlights. It's like, well, like billiards, what is the equal and opposite reaction that you're trying to get? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really neat one. There are a couple that sort of um, fit under that that similar sort of banner as well, isn't there? Um, Siegecraft is one that is almost identical to Battleground Crossbows and Catapults and includes a similar sort of uh, catapult mechanism where you're, you know, you're pulling back this thing and trying to aim it and in such a way that you um, hit your target. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's something that works really well with a touch device. And it's, it's all the more superior to, uh, um, to Crossbows and Catapults because you don't lose the pieces. And it's not all over the place. And the scenarios will build and change and it gets a little more complex. And there's a sort of a sense of timing going on. It it lacks two key things for mine. And and this is why crossbows and catapults will stay my favorite. It lacks the construction side of it. Um, That's always a lot of fun, building up different castles. And it lacks the, the other really important aspect of the sound of pieces of plastic clattering to the tabletop after a successful catapult strike. Well, you've got different sound effects in the uh, in the online <laughs> game. Or the, uh, Not as version. satisfying. So I would say that one of the most popular uh, speed-oriented games that, that we've had that people will just pick up and play for a few minutes, and, and that's sort of one of the neat things about uh, dexterity games on the iPad and the Android devices, is that they're designed to play like really quick while you're in line and you're waiting and stuff to happen. And this is called Fruit Ninja, the one that uh, my son, you can tell when he's been playing it because you'll see great big streaks of fingerprints all over the screen in, in very <laughs> unusual patterns. And basically, fruit is being thrown up on the screen and you're chopping it in half with your fingers. You slash it across the screen. And there's no real educational value in this game except for it's going to you know be... You're just trying to pay attention to stuff because occasionally bombs will pop up there. And if you slash across a bomb, it blows up and you lose that life. But Fruit Ninja is very popular. It involves ninja-like stuff. And you know, even though we try not to focus too much on boys or girls here, the boys love the ninjas. And you know, But it doesn't involve actually chopping up people. So you get you know, sort of pseudo-violence where, hey, look, you're showing your skill with your sword but you're not running around slaughtering people. Instead, you're chopping up fruit. Yeah. Another one that's a really neat sort of reaction game um, is Temple Run, and this is one of those petrol motion games. And basically, you know, you're trying to jump, slide, turn left, turn right, um, you know, as different obstacles pop up on the screen, and as you go along, it gets faster and faster and faster, and it never, never really comes, never comes to an end. But you're just really trying to see how far you can get. Um, And you've got to tilt your device to the left or the right to move to the left or the right of the track you're running along. Um, You've got to swipe your finger up or down on the screen to jump or slide and there's or or left and right to turn left and right. So there's a lot of, um, you know, it's it's just a really neat little game. There's also some other um, versions of it. I think there's one based on the Disney uh, Disney Pixar movie Brave. And there might be another one based on um, another movie, but I'm not quite sure what that one is. It might be Oz. Right. And if you played the old Pitfall game back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, whenever it was out, uh, there is a version of it that's sort of a perpetual running game as well. But it's based on the Pitfall property, and it's 
uh, you know, got the jumping, the sliding, the dodging left and rights. And uh, these, I find these games very tension building that I would get nervous when I play those kinds of games. <laughs> the kids love them. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I yeah. going to do? And I know I'm never going to be any good at them. But. I um yeah I, I I find them very addictive to be honest. <laughs> so uh, another one of these is kind of a jetpack joyride, which I found a lot of fun. Where basically you're a guy escaping from a lab, and you're trying to collect coins, and in some cases you'll be trying to you know uh, knock down the researchers who are keeping you keeping you captive. And in this one, you will get special and weird bonus machines that allow you to fly a little further or hit things without taking damage and being wiped out. Uh, but Jetpack Joyride's a lot of fun in that. And that's one of them that I can play without getting too messed up because it doesn't have any sense of 3D at all. And I, f- yeah. I find the more dimensions I have to keep track of, uh, the more stressful it is for me. Jetpack Joyride almost reminds me a little bit of those old, um, you know, dog um, fighting, the old arcade-style um, aeroplane games where you're trying to, you know, move from the left and the right of the screen to avoid and, and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, neat. it's a neat little game. One of the things actually I like about that is that, that every um, you'll, you'll always have three little micro-missions that you've got to complete, and uh, as you complete one, you'll get a, little, a certain amount of points or badges for it, and then another one will pop up, and they um, sort of encourage you to do or experiment with different things in the game. So that adds a, a layer of fun to it. Oh, we were talking about uh, Angry Birds earlier, and there's another one of those sort of rubber band physics where you're doing a pull and, and trying to launch your pieces in another direction. And it's two bit bub, which is, uh, uh, the paranorman themed version, sort of angry birds, but it's got missions where you're trying to get this zombie dog, basically who's been cut in half. And so you've got the front half and the back half that you're trying to launch in different directions to get up the rings and, and maneuver and do stuff so that you can find your bones. And uh, that's a pretty neat version of Angry Birds sort of thing. And I believe it was free. Uh, I uh, I don't like to pay for games when I can get away with not paying for them. And yep. so if I can find free versions of games on the iOS, those are generally going to be the ones that I try first. They're the ones that we try and grab for our school as well. Obviously, you know, we don't want, you know, it's a little bit problematic having a bunch of iOS devices for a school. Um, and, and that predominantly is around the, um, you know, the Apple ID and then, you know, actually p- paying for through that Apple ID for different apps and things like that. I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. It's just a layer of difficulty that perhaps, um, you know, isn't there for other, other devices and so forth. Um, and, and then, you know, making sure that they're all synced and up to date and so forth. Um, the, the problem, you know, again, we, we always try and look for free apps as well for that very reason. Um, we also always, you know, struggle with that aspect that most free apps also contain advertising and that quite often um, those things get clicked and whatnot by, by kids. But, I mean, that's just um, a risk, I suppose, it comes to the territory. It's not, it's not um, deathly. Right. Now, I've got a question about that, is that I, I haven't utilized... We've got iPads, and I've got the one that I use for work, and I will let kids play with that, but it's on an individual basis. It's like, hey... Uh, you know, I know these kids, they've come in, they're waiting to get into other games or whatever it is. So I'll, I'll let them play with the iPad that I use for work. And I'm very careful about, you know, do not click on any of these additional purchases or in-app purchases. Now, do those in-app purchases have a, uh, uh, do you have to put in your password first before you do those? I've just, I've never yeah. done them. 
Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. It'll ask you for your Apple ID password um, anytime it directs you to the iTunes store for um, purchase. And there are settings that you can change on the iOS device to, um, you know, sort of make that process more difficult, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's something that occasionally will happen and, and, um, as I said before, it's not really that much of a pain in the neck, but it's just something to be aware of. Um, and it's also some of the advertising in, in some of the games can be uh, more sort of adult-focused than than what you'd necessarily have or, or show to a um, you know younger-grade kid. There's nothing you know explicit or anything like that in there, but but yeah, it's just something to be aware of. Right. And Apple does a pretty good job at trying to keep apps focused for the correct age groups. And the advertisement that goes through their stuff is is a little better moderated than you might find elsewhere on the internet. So you know you're you're going to be doing okay on that. Um, yeah, yeah. So oh, there's a, another game I like. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Pitch Car and you know other games. If if you are interested in those kinds of games for your iPod or iPad, uh, there's a game called Disc Driving, which is sort of that sort of thing. And, and there are several racing games that you can get where you're trying to maneuver your pieces around the board in such a way as to get them, you know, in a race with other players. And so I, I rec- recommend those kinds of games as, as another option. And those tend to be more multiplayer that, uh, you know, some of these like Fruit Ninja or Jetpack Joyride or Temple Run, those are all single player games. So it'll have to be a pass and play experience. I play, I die, I pass it to the next person you know, and so forth. Yeah, yep. No, it's a, it's a really interesting one. Um, disc driving's a lot of fun. I like it. I think it's a paid app, though. Um, it, it might be, but uh, this is something I was going to get into earlier, is you can often find these on sale. And there used to be an app called App Shopper, which is no longer available on the store. But if you go to appshopper.com, and I think it's, uh, you know, international distribution of of what's available where but it'll tell you you can go through and say oh these games look great i want to put them on my uh on my devices and and purchase them and you can go there and it'll take you to on the computer the itunes store so you can do your login and your and your purchase there Uh, but most importantly especially if you're using your ipads uh you know in a pass you know public environment it'll tell you when apps that you have on your device need updating so you can say, oh, I've got five apps that need updating before class or before you know I hand it out. Do I need to go ahead and run these updates, or is it something that uh, you know these aren't the ones we're using, so I don't have to update them now? And but the, the coolest thing is, it's on my wish list. It says, oh, I've got five games that have been updated that are on my wish list. And, oh, look, the update is that the price on these have dropped to free, so then you can go and purchase them. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, was a great app, that one. I use it all the time. And you just, you can still use it online. You just can't download it for your iPad because it was making it too easy for people to access and figure out what was going to be on sale for, uh, you know, games and, and applications on the iPad. So Apple said, oh, sorry, you can't access, you can't sell that on our store anymore. So it's a little bit more of a pain now, but it's a great, great service, and it's appshopper.com. Yeah, for shine, Apple. <laughs> yeah, yep. 
Um, another, um, you know, going back to those sort of games we were talking about, um, there are there, there are just so many um, games on the iOS device. You know, there's no possible way we could cover, you know, even even a reasonable percentage of them. Um, but uh, another one that is a, a very interesting sort of physics game is a game called Rejoin. And in this game, you you uh, hold down on one side of the screen or on the other side of the screen. Um, if you hold down on one side of the screen, the, you've got two balls, and those those two balls will be attracted to one another. They'll pull towards one another. If you hold down on the other side of the screen, they'll repel away from one another. And there's sort of a maze that you're trying to manoeuvre them through without causing them to drop off the edges and, and you know, um, into the nothingness of the, the, the bottom of the screen. But it's a very interesting game and, and can be quite difficult. You've got to put a bit of planning into how you want to uh, manoeuvre them and then, you know, the, the length of time which you hold down on the screen then creates a larger or larger force either either pulling them away from one another or pushing them together. So, um, you know, yeah, very interesting game, that one. Right. Uh, something, you know, we've been talking for a while, but I'm going to get a couple other in here real quick. There are various flight simulators. Uh, there's... Uh, I think Tiny Wings and, and several others that you can find. I'm trying to figure out which one I like the best. Well, maybe we'll do flight simulators in a separate episode. Um, but one game <laughs> that we played recently that is uh, free, and it's called Space Team. And it's a reaction game. It's not really what I'd call a dexterity game most of the time. But have we talked about Space Team on the show yet? Um, I cannot recall, to be honest. Is this is this the one where you've got a bunch of people operating the bridge of a spaceship? Yes. Basically, you've got a spaceship. Everybody's hooked into the same game. I think you can do uh, four. I don't know exactly how many players you can do, but you can get a group of people together either on Wi-Fi or uh, over Bluetooth. And uh, you're trying to get other people in the group to carry out commands that you're shouting while you're trying to hear what everybody else is shouting so that you can do them. And it might be, you know, uh, toggle the flange whistle or fire the torpedoes or entertain the guests or, um, you know, turn off the blog florist or whatever it is. They're a bunch of weird, unusual things. And I'm <laughs> shouting, trying to get other people to do what I'm doing. And they're trying to get me to do what they're doing. Or what they need done, and slowly the panels will start falling away or oozing or smoking, and you have the ability to try and repair those by rubbing on them or uh, you know flicking switches or doing things like that. And basically it's just a disaster response game where everybody is trying to uh, you know get tasks done in a timely manner, and it teaches team communication and how to listen and communicate your ideas at the same time. And it's it's not supposed to be an educational game in any way, shape, or form. But it gets particularly difficult when you have two groups of people playing it in the same room, you know, and, you know, you know, which spaceship's yours, of course, but you don't always know who to listen to because you're hearing somebody behind you saying, fluff the pillows, fluff the pillows. And uh, you're looking all over your screen for fluffing <laughs> for the pillow fluffing button. And it's not even on your spaceship. Yeah, oh, sounds, I've heard you talk about this before, and it sounds like a, a real lot of fun. And I and I do think that that you know, obviously, it's not an educational game. And, and how many of the games that we've discussed are? But it nonetheless, you know, involves if you were to play it with a group of kids, involves teamwork and communication and all those things that are that are really important skills. Right, and and I would say that the the accidental learning on this game is pretty darn high. And like I said, you can buy the free version of it, and if you really like it, you can buy 
there's a couple of paid app you know enhancements that you can buy for the game that don't do anything. It's just a way that you can tell the designers, hey, we really like your game. Uh, here's some money. Yep. So. Oh, nice. Can you play online against opponents elsewhere? No, and you wouldn't want to because the oh, lag, you know, the, the trouble that you and I have, yep. you know, even recording a podcast with each other, you're in Australia and I'm in America, huge difficulty there. And trying to play this game over online would be tough. So it's definitely a co-location game. You all have to be in the same place. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, all right, Don. Well, I think um, I think we've run this one out. Uh, to be honest. Uh, right. Let's do a wrap up. What? Why dexterity games and agility games? What's the big bonus for them? Well, I think you know in the first episode where we started to talk about this, this is what the third episode now where we've covered dexterity games. We talked about some of the really um, the positive things to come out of them. First of all, you know, they involve hand-eye coordination, gross and fine motor skills, um, you know, speed recognition, colour recognition. You know, every game is different in what it involves. It may, you know, like we talked about this episode, polarity involve incidental learning about magnetic fields and how those things operate. But ultimately, I think dexterity games are fantastic because they physically involve the players in the game. It's got everything that board games have in terms of social interaction, in terms of that communication with the other players you're sitting with. But it's also, because it's got that physical involvement with the game, um, it, it, I just think that they are, they are very engaging, that they're also very enjoyable. And... Um, Often, they're also extremely accessible. So I think they're just a really neat game. Not right. something that I would use all of the time, but, but something that I think is well worth um, having as, a, as an extra string to any, any good board game collection. Right. I would agree with that. And the other thing is, if you're trying to get people excited or interested in board games, they're a great way to just draw in the attention more than almost any other kind of game because people are moving, they're excited. <laughs> There's a lot of enthusiasm that is generated by these kinds of activities. Um, if you've got a rainy day activity where you're supposed to go outside for recess, uh, but it's just impossible to get outside, I mean, this isn't as good as you know playing kickball or whatever else you might be doing outside, but they do sort of get the kids out of their chairs and moving, and there's a physicality to these games that just isn't available in so many other activities. So that's yeah. it i think that, that we've hit it there yeah absolutely um if you've got any questions or if you've got any comments or anything that you'd like to add or um recommend um to us or that we haven't talked about or anything like that um you can email us you can email us at uh, at schools and libraries at gmail.com you can also find us on our website gameschoolslibraries.com and uh, from there you can find different ways of contacting us or um, commenting via our um, guild on board game geek or anything along those lines and uh, yeah until next time this is giles pritchard and donald dennis for games in schools and libraries Games in Schools and Libraries is kindly hosted by the Games for Educators website. You can find them at www.g4ed.com. You can subscribe to their newsletter, check out games through their game finder, and of course, it's the home of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. Drop by and post comments on the episodes. We love feedback. Games in Schools and Libraries is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. If you a copy of this license, visit our webpage at the Games for Educators website.